BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the 49ers Insider Podcast on NBCSportsBayArea.com. Introducing your host, San Francisco 49ers Insider, Matt Mayoko. This is the 49ers Insider Podcast brought to you by Big O Tires. And this is the final podcast before Super Bowl 54. The San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs meet on Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium here in Miami, where we've been all week previewing this 49ers matchup, their seventh Super Bowl appearance, going for their sixth Super Bowl title. And on this edition of the 49ers Insider Podcast, we're going to catch up with four members of the 49ers, three members of the coaching staff and a player who figures to have a very important role in this game. We're going to meet Chris Kosarek. He's the defensive line coach for the 49ers, as well as offensive line coach, John Benton and linebackers coach D'Amico Ryans. We're also going to talk to nickelback Kwan Williams as the 49ers figure to be in their nickel defense a lot against the Kansas City Chiefs three wide receivers. So Kwan Williams will have a very busy day on Sunday. Right now, let's get it going with Chris Kosarek, the 49ers first year defensive line coach and a guy who's been given a lot of credit, and rightfully so, for the play of the defensive line. The 49ers this year implemented a new scheme, the wide nine, and it's really enabled a guy like Eric Armstead to accentuate all of the skills that he brings to the table. He's really been a good fit for that scheme. Armstead had a tremendous regular season. Uh, sack numbers were, uh, he doubled them as far as what he had done in his previous five seasons in the league and Armstead uh, getting ready to hit free agency expecting to have a very lucrative payday so Chris Kosarek was a high energy guy on the practice field we sat down in a more calm environment to talk about uh, his job and what he's trying to do with that defensive line and how he has uh, been impressed by what he's seen by this group of San Francisco 49ers defensive linemen here is Chris Kosarek Hey, Chris, I know you're probably going to be a little bit uncomfortable when I say this to you, but, you know, when people talk about where the biggest improvements have been made and, uh, you know, MVPs of the team and and unsung heroes, uh, you're near the top of the list as a 49ers defensive line coach. So, I mean, certainly there's one more game to play, but you got to be very happy with what you've been able to get out of your group. Yeah, you know, um, the one thing I'm the most proud of is since – the day I got here, you know, and, and we all got together, you know, the players reported back on April 15th is just the, the work ethic and the commitment that the guys have, have made, you know, t- to the year and, and the product that we put out there and what we put on film, you know, our resume, you know, we try, you know, we try in our room not to look too far behind, not look too far ahead, you know, yesterday's gone, tomorrow's, you know, not promised. So we just try to, just try to live in a moment. So right now I'm currently living in a moment, you know, just trying to stack one day on top of the next and, you know, get to 
get to Super Bowl night and, uh, you know, go perform the way that, that we're capable of performing. But, you know, with that said, I am proud of the group. The, the guys have worked extremely, extremely hard, um, kind of set the standard with them from the start and kind of told them, you know, the work ethic it's going to take to be the, you know, the type of front that, you know, we want to become. We're not there. We're not – at the time we weren't even – you know, when we all got together, we weren't even close. But uh, over time, over, over stack days, over – you know, sharpening our axe one day at a time. You know, it's it's been good to see them uh, grow, develop. You know, uh, come together as a, as you know, kind of one heartbeat. You know, as a unit, and um, you know, just proud of the you know the pride that they take in and you know trying to play physical and uh, playing with the the most effort that we can possibly play with on Sundays. So it's been good. One of the guys that I know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan had talked about that they thought that you could really have an impact on was Eric Armstead playing, uh, you know, the, the techniques that you coach. Did you kind of see that too, that what you, you know, what your beliefs are really kind of fell in line with what Eric's skill set is? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I've been go, been doing this for a while, so I, I did a lot of work on Eric coming out of college, you know, and um, the role that he's playing now for us is kind of what I envisioned him, you know, when he was, if, if we had drafted him, you know, I was in Detroit at the time, if we had drafted him in Detroit, this the, the role that he's playing now would have been the role he played there, but... Yeah, you know, I and then once I took this job, I've, I've watched every single snap that Eric took for at least the last, you know, couple years, and um, Eric's a very intelligent player, and he, he can process a lot of information, and sometimes, uh, you know, that can hinder a D-lineman at times. So when we got together, you know, I called, when I took the job, I called Eric and I said, look, you know, we're going to simplify the things that we're asking you to do. You're, you're six foot eight, you're 285 pounds, you're athletic, you're explosive, you're quick twitched. I think you're thinking too much on the football field. You're trying to be too perfect, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, in a game that's played in the trenches, that's not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. So let's take these 25 things that you're trying to do and let's simplify them and let's put them into three things and let's get really good at doing that and we're going to put you in a position that's a little bit different than what you've played before you know you watched Eric through the first four years of his career he's kind of played in a in a read and react type where he's reacting off the guy in front of him and 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 his movements are dictated by what the guy's doing in front of him well now we put Eric in a position to where the offensive guy has to has to adjust to what Eric's doing. Eric's hitting this aiming point. He's playing as fast, as violent, as as aggressive as he possibly can and let the guy across from him deal with what Eric has. Um, so just we've tried to simplify it and, and let him play to his skill set at a at a more aggressive rate. You come in and, and you have a rookie Nick Bosa who certainly seems to be a very polished kid coming yeah. in as a rookie. It is it, have you ever seen anybody like him just kind of step in and be able to to handle the challenges that, that you face as a rookie in the NFL? No, I mean the, the closest the closest I had was probably Indomitian Sue, um, and Indomitian Sue came in and just was physically just ready to play in the NFL. He still had some refinement to do uh, technique wise, pad level wise, hands wise, and what we were asking him to do. But but physically, Indomitian Sue was ready for the NFL. He was a dominant college player. Came in and, and you know won the you know the rookie of the year and all that similar to, to Nick now Nick I you know just coming out of college plugging on the tape 
I think he was a more refined player as far as you know the technical aspect of the game goes. You know, Sue still had to learn some things technique-wise. Sue was a read and react player at, at Nebraska, and when he got to the NFL, we were asking him to attack, so he had a hurdle to, to jump over. Where Nick is playing similar, very similar schemes, a uh, little bit different aiming points and stuff, but probably in all my you know my 11 years coaching in the NFL, just probably the most polished. If you said, hey, we're going to draft you one day and you're going to have to play in an NFL game the next day, he'd probably be the most, you know, they say plug-and-play ready guy that could go out there and compete in the NFL. Very polished, extensive background through, you know, his family, his dad, his uncle, you know, then brother, following his brother's footsteps. I'm sure I can just envision, you know, his dad having him and Nick and Joey out in the backyard. You know, most dads are out there playing catch. I can just envision him, him with a football down there, teaching them how to get in a three-point stance and, and let's go. You know, and then Nick getting to, to follow in Joey's footsteps, you know, through high school and then, you know, going into college. And I think they had a really good D-line coach there at o- Ohio State that, uh, you know, um, really refined e- even his game even to another extent. So he's a very polished player coming in, you know, and um, – the, the main transition for Nick was just the competition level and, um, you know, learning that in college you can get away with certain things against college offensive tackles that, you know, in the NFL there's no 20-hour rule and these guys aren't going to school half the day and spending a quarter of that, you know, the day on football. These guys are, you know, they're making, they're making their living blocking guys, you know, that can rush the passer. So um, the competition level obviously higher and, and the, the one thing he just had to adjust to was that and it was great to you know be able to go against a guy like Joe Staley early on a crafty vet that's going to be out there trying to block Nick you know every single day so that helped in the in the in the progression and um, you know but he was probably as about you know as game ready as any guy that I've ever scouted or any guy that I've ever, I've ever coached like I said and Dominican Sue physically was ready for the NFL still had some refinement to do technique wise. In the offseason, one of the things that when I first saw you guys practice, the thing that really stood out on the practice field was your intensity and your just high level of energy. Yeah. How do you maintain that? Because I thought, I mean, I looked at you and I thought, oh, my gosh, is he even going to make it to the season? But how do you maintain that sort of just excitement every day to, to take on your job? I just, you know, that's kind of, you know, I, I want our players to play with excitement. I want our guys to play with energy. I want them to feed off each other. And, um, you know, in the dog days, you know, I, I feel like as a coach, I got to I got to bring that same intensity that I want them playing at. And, and I've always kind of been that way, kind of a, I don't know, a live wire type, you know. Um, always been kind of a kind of an anxious guy, kind of an eager guy to get going. Don't like downtime, ready to. You know, count down the hours for the first practice to get here. I can't wait for game day to get here. This the, the lull between now and Sunday is gonna just yeah you know eat me alive. I'll be pacing in my hotel room ready to get going. You know, so it's kind of always been like that. You know, when I laced them up as a young kid and walked out there the first time and heart started racing, started sweating, and hit the field with my hair on fire and kind of been the way that way ever since. You know, through high school, through college, you know, playing ball and then. You know, getting into coaching, it's, you know, my mentor was a lot like that, a guy named Jim Washburn, who, who coached a great D-line coach in the NFL for years and years with Tennessee, Philadelphia, Detroit, Miami. He's my mentor. He was that way. And uh, really, you know, a lot of days I'm trying to carry on his legacy that he set in the, in the, in the league because I wouldn't be here without him. 
Hey, Chris, thank you very much, and good luck on Sunday. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. The star of Super Bowl week has been Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he is, I'd say, probably without question, the best player on either team. And so much of the talk has been about how the 49ers can hope to contain him and that group of wide receivers. Well, it really all starts with Chris Kosarek's defensive line. If the defense is able to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, get him out of his rhythm a little bit, it's going to be difficult for Mahomes to get the ball down the field and get spread it around to his wide receivers, Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins and Nicole Hardman. So the 49ers uh, really are going to rely on their defensive line. This is something that John Lynch wanted to do from the moment he took over the 49ers. They had already had several defensive linemen, first round draft picks on the team, but the 49ers continued to stack their defensive line. They drafted Solomon Thomas, who's now basically the team's fifth defensive lineman. They added D Ford in the offseason and they drafted Nick Bosa with the number two overall pick. And so when the 49ers are in that nickel defense, which they figure to be in quite a bit, all eyes will be on Kwan Williams in a lot of ways because he is the slot guy. Uh, he plays the nickelback position and the 49ers are going to be tested. There's no doubt about it. The Chiefs can line up each of their three receivers at the slot position and Kwan Williams, uh, a very strong tackler. 49ers have said that you know they believe he's the best nickelback in the league and the way he's been playing, it's kind of hard to argue with that. So he's able to spend some time with Kwan Williams on the final day that there was media availability. Here is Kwan Williams, the 49ers Nickelback. What's this week been like for you with all this attention, you know, out here, meeting a lot of the media around the country and in other countries? Oh, it was cool, man. The atmosphere is great. Uh, great venue. Miami's a great city. It's just great, just excited to be out here and just get it going. What, what do you think about just how, I mean, a lot of the talk this week has been about the, the Chiefs and their speed. How do you feel you guys match up with speed? Uh, as, a, as a team, you know, we play good ball. You know, we just everybody's got to come out, be on their keys, and execute as our defense, as we normally do. How much pride do you take as the nickelback in kind of the historic levels of defense that you guys have been able to play from a pass defense standpoint? I mean, you guys are allowing you know, less than 170 yards passing per game, uh, best in the league since 2009. Uh, just just for us as a whole unit, you know, it's, it's, it's important for us to just go out and just – do what we've been doing since we've got here, you know, and just playing hard, and eyes on our keys and just being disciplined and making plays that have got to be made. And uh, and guys are just executing at a very high level right now. So, You know, it's funny, k because Kyle Shannon has always said that he's thought that you were the best nickelback in the league. And, you know, when he first said that, I was a little bit skeptical, right? Because, okay, he's a coach. Of course he's going to pump up his players. But, man, you've impressed me. You, I think you are the best nickelback in the league. Do you look at the other nickelbacks and, and kind of compare yourself to them? I mean, it's, it's a niche position. It's, it's more of a style thing. you got to have the right mindset to play nickel. So I definitely I, I take a look at uh, the nickels around the league, and I love, I love, I love watching them play. You know, I just – I just try to go out, just do my job, man, and just try to be the best player that I can be and just try to work hard every day and improve. And the thing that impresses, I think, everybody about you is you're not a big guy, but you tackle like a big guy. How did you develop that ability to tackle? 
uh, just finding a way, man, just taking good, great angles and just being able to just get your hands on somebody and just wrap them. Whether you got to take them down to the ground from the from their legs or uh, up high tackle, you just got to be able to find your, find the spots and just uh, tackle guys. How much do the Chiefs play? Their nickel personnel, or their uh, you know three wide receivers. How often do you expect to be out there on the field on Super Bowl Sunday? Oh, pretty often. They, they run a lot of eleven personnel, so it'll be three wides, and hopefully I'll be out there a lot. And, and who will you be matched up with mostly? Um, they put everyone in the slot. You know, they real a lot of variety, so I'm probably matched up with everybody. Can, can you take me through? Uh, let's go, uh, McCall Hardman. What, what do you think of his game? They're all speedy. They all got great routes. They all all dynamic with the ball in their hands, and yeah. All Tyreek Hill? Same. Same. Yeah, they all, they all fast. They all got run great routes, great hands, and great receivers. Sammy Watkins is a little bit more physical than those two, right? Yeah, he's a strong, strong receiver. Um, he also runs great routes, good at the line. So, yeah. All right, Kwan, thank you very much. Thank you. And now this word from Big O Tires. This week at Big O Tires, buy three, get one free on select sets of four Aspen Touring AS or Mesa AP2 brand tires with paid installation purchase. See participating Big O Tire store for details. The buy three tires, get one free sale ends February 2nd. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We're back on the 49ers Insider Podcast brought to you by Big O Tires, and we talked about the defensive line with Chris Kosarek. Now it's time to talk about the 49ers offensive line with offensive line coach John Benton. And that offensive line has been really one of the unsung heroes of this team as a collective group. 49ers have relied heavily on the running game in their two playoff victories. Uh, beating the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers with a run-dominated offense. And I don't know, I kind of feel like the game plan is going to switch up a little bit on Sunday. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come out throwing the ball around a little bit. I don't think the 49ers will be able to run as successfully because, I mean, think about it, the Kansas City Chiefs for the past two weeks since they've been studying the 49ers the thing that's had to have just hit them over the head repeatedly is how good the 49ers running game is whether it's Raheem Mostert or Tevin Coleman Matt Breida hasn't done much here in the postseason but he's a breakaway threat as well and speaking of Tevin Coleman he sustained a dislocated shoulder in the 49ers NFC championship game victory over the Green Bay Packers but he is all systems go for Sunday At this stage, he isn't even listed on the 49ers injury report, which tells you that the 49ers will have everybody healthy for this game, Tevin Coleman included. But if the Chiefs are trying to stack the box and take away the run, that should enable the 49ers to do some things in the air, whether it's getting the ball to Debo Samuel, whether it's getting the ball to Emmanuel Sanders, or to get the ball in the hands of their top offensive player, and that's George Kittle. So anyway, what, whatever the 49ers ask of their offensive linemen to do, that's what they'll do because they have a very uh, varied and versatile running game, but they've also done a pretty good job of creating pass protection for Jimmy Garoppolo, and they will have to do that on Sunday against Frank Clark and the Kansas City Chiefs. But here is John Benton, the 49ers offensive line coach. Hey, John, 
we, we talked to the offensive linemen after some of these games, especially in the playoffs where you guys have been running the ball so much, and the offensive linemen say, this is the kind of game we love. We love to run the ball. As an offensive line coach, do you love it too? Oh, absolutely. I, it's, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's so proactive as opposed to drop-back protection that uh, – you know where you're worried about something going to happen. You you get to get to run the ball, move a man against his will, all that good thing. If you're being successful, there's nothing better than that. And what has been the style of this running team that you guys have? It, it kind of seems like you can do a lot of different things. Is that kind of the kind of the persona of your offensive line? Is that they don't have a persona? They can be power. They can run the outside zone. They can do all kinds of different things. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of our success. Is some of the intelligence issues were we're very highly intelligent group up there from from top to bottom so that allows you to do more uh every nfl team runs has every run in their playbook for the most part we're gonna major in the the outside zone or the wide zone and but we have those other uh additions to it that we can take advantage of if you want to defend if you want to commit to defending the wide zone we can go gap scheme. We can go with the counters. We can go with traps. We can do whatever we need to do. Does that kind of set you guys up pretty well for Super Bowl Sunday because you put certain things on film and, and the Chiefs have to be kind of wary of, of all of that? I, I hope so. <laughs> that's that's the plan. It served us well all year uh, for the most part. And it's, it's really – you don't really get stuck too often. It's just how quickly you can adapt and if you adapt fast enough. So – I feel pretty confident going in the game we'll be able to run the ball somehow. It'll be interesting to see early in the game what what they've chosen to do uh, in terms of, you know, if they commit to stopping our wide zone or just limit it, that type of things, and, and, and how they might do that. You, you mentioned earlier about the, the smarts of your offensive linemen. Is that kind of what you look for to be able to run this scheme uh, that you're asking of maybe – I mean, every coach wants smart offensive alignment, but are you looking for a different kind of style, a different kind of fit uh, for this offense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a that's a twofold thing, and it's not maybe your traditional intelligence measurable uh, type thing, but uh, just the wide zone in itself make, means so many fast decisions. You're running full speed, deciding who you're going to block, how you're going to handle transfer defenders and that type of thing and then the second part of that intelligence is being able to handle a, a really varied scheme and varied schemes multiple varied schemes and uh, really diagnose that so intelligence we were just having a conversation after practice today with a couple of the linemen about how they realize there's a lot of guys can't think that fast can't make those kinds of decisions and, and can't handle that kind of uh, workload so uh, very proud of them from that standpoint. You know, a lot of times when you see an offense that, that's done well through the course of a season, it's because the five offensive linemen have been out there every game and you have continuity. Well, this year you you lost Joe Staley for a good portion of the year. Mike McGlinchey was on the sideline for some games. Uh, and then Weston Richburg hasn't been out there uh, for the last part of this season through December and, and of course, into the playoffs. So you got to be very proud of how the guys have stepped in, whether it was... Uh, ben Garland, who's a starter now at center, but also earlier in the year, Justin School, Daniel Brunskill. Oh, no question. I, I think in a lot of ways they made our season. I've, I've joked around that Dan Brunskill is our MVP, starting three different positions in a backup role, and we really haven't missed a beat 
do to it. Uh, but all three of those guys, Justin and, and Ben, it, really proud of them and, and really allowed us to have the season we've had. I don't think we have the season we had. Probably better put, we don't have the season we had without those three guys and what they did. All three exceeding expectations going into the game. Uh, it, it's it's a difficult role. An underappreciated role as a backup, particularly an offensive lineman, we don't rotate during a game. It's not like we can keep your, keep your interest all year. You've literally got to sit there day after day, prepare like you're going to play all but one play of every game. And if you have the discipline to do that, they, as they've shown, you you can be successful and, and show your worth. And, and they'll benefit from it. But more importantly, we benefited from it. Yeah. Hey, John, thank you very much, and good luck on Sunday. Sure, thank you. One of the decisions that the 49ers face on Sunday is what to do with their linebacker position. Quan Alexander has been back now. Uh, when he had that pectoral injury on Halloween night in Arizona, it was widely believed, and everybody thought with the 49ers that he was going to be out for the season. But the one guy who didn't think that was Quan Alexander, and he worked hard to get back, and sure enough, he got back for the 49ers' first-round playoff game against the Minnesota Vikings. And the 49ers decided not to just give him his old job back. He has started uh, the first eight games of the season at the will linebacker position, and that's a spot on the team that lines up next to the middle linebacker, and he's on the field for every play. But the Sam linebacker position, the strong side linebacker, is the first linebacking job that goes off the field, replaced by Kwan Williams. So when the 49ers started the playoffs against the Vikings, they didn't want to move Drake Greenlaw out of that spot because he had done such a good job filling in for Quan Alexander. And he got better and better and better. And, of course, he made that big play week 17 against the Seattle Seahawks, stopping Seattle's tight end Jacob Hollister just inches short of the goal line. The 49ers win that game, get home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs, and here they are in Super Bowl 54. So the 49ers have a bit of a decision to make on Sunday. Do they keep... Dre Greenlaw as the will linebacker and continue to play him every down or do they mix Quan Alexander in there because I think the 49ers will be playing with a lot of two linebacker looks on Sunday because of their nickel defense being out there most of the time as the as the Chiefs will play a lot of three wide receivers so it's Quan Alexander is he the full-time guy is Dre Greenlaw the full-time guy, or do the 49ers find a way to get both of those guys out there about an equal amount? Well, that decision will fall on 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala and 49ers linebackers coach D'Amico Ryans. And D'Amico Ryans, a former player in this league, uh, did not make it to a Super Bowl as a player, but he made it here as a coach, and he's done a really fine job molding those linebackers, Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, Quan Alexander into a, a very strong unit. So here is D'Amico Ryans on the 49ers Insider Podcast. I'm with 49ers linebackers coach D'Amico Ryans on the 49ers Insider Podcast. And D'Amico, you never played in a Super Bowl, but you're coaching in a Super Bowl. Can you imagine going through this week what it would have been like to play? <laughs> oh, yeah. I always, you know, dreamed about being in the Super Bowl, you know, playing in the Super Bowl. But one thing I can say, just being a coach is still surreal. It's still an awesome moment. 
you know, awesome accomplishment to, to credit credit to these guys and the way they work, their hard work, everything they put in throughout the season. Like, I still feel like I'm a player and I'm in it right with them. And, I mean, you see the, the guys that you've coached. I mean, there's a, quite a range of, of guys. But I want to talk first off about Quan Alexander, where when he had that injury, the pectoral injury, we all thought out for the season. At what point did you think in your mind, man, there's a chance this guy might be back in the playoffs? Yeah, well, he came around and told me, like, yeah, I won't, I'll be back. You know, if we make the playoffs, I'll be back. And once he said that to me, the first time he said it, I knew if we made it, he would be back. That's one thing about Corn. He always has a very positive mindset, always a positive outlook on life. So he was going to put in the work needed for him to get back. And, and then, but in his absence, you had a rookie step up and looked to me like he was just growing week by week by week. Right, for sure. I mean, Dre stepped in and like you said, man, he's every week, he's gotten better and better and better. He's, he continues to understand the concepts and things from offenses he just continues to understand the defense what we're asking him to do better like he's a guy who's just continued to grow week in week out he just gets better and better and better and you can see the the more knowledge he's able to pick up the faster he plays right the more plays he's able to make but dre has been and been outstanding as a rookie if you guys finish this deal on sunday his play against seattle will be will live in lore 49ers history what was your vantage point of that play he made and kind of take me through where his eyes have to be and how how you graded him on that play where he stopped Jacob Hollister at the one-inch line to preserve that win in Seattle. Right, yeah, his eyes definitely need to be, you know, progressing from the running back back to the quarterback. So I thought he did a really good job of not biting and taking the running back and not running to the flat, running out of his zone where he should have been. And he did a good job of just, for Dre, just being disciplined, you know, keeping him, keeping him, keeping his feet out of the end zone, just staying playing, and then, you know, the tight end ends up coming across, and he makes, a, you know, one of the best tackles I've seen. Just That's what we talk about, hitting through people, not just catching for him really hitting through, and that was a awesome tackle, leverage tackle, shoulder right through the guy, and his grade for me was definitely an A+. Plus. <laughs> Well, he played so well that you guys didn't have the luxury of when Quan Alexander came back. Quan didn't have to be out there for 100% of the snaps. And Dre, can you tell me what kind of their roles were in these first two playoff games, how you tried to work Quan back in while having Dre kind of maintain his spot? Right, well, you know, one thing, the first thing is Dre had been doing so well and he's been getting so, so much better week in and week out. I didn't want to change Dre's position. Right, so with Quan coming back, he would have to, you know, get his body back into it, un- get back into the defense. So since he was missing for a while, we thought it was best for him to just come back in and base defense and for Swan- for Quan to play the Sam linebacker position. So we left Dre planted where he was, and we just kind of had Quan develop. Quan being a veteran, knew he could pick up on the Sam linebacker position fairly quickly, and he's done a really good job at it. Well, the, the kind of the complication of this game is – 
the Chiefs play a lot of three wides, right? So that Sam linebacker might not be out on the field. So what goes into the decision now of how much you want to use Quan mixed with how much you want to use Dre? Yeah, we'll, we'll see how the game goes. You know, they do use 12 personnel. But like you said, there are 11, a lot of 11 personnel three wide. But we'll, I get a feel for how the game is going, and we'll try to use those guys accordingly. Is that your call of who, which linebackers go to which spots? Well, it'll be it'll be up to generally it's up to Coach Sala and Coach Kyle. You know, I really don't I don't make those decisions on who's in, who's out, but we'll get a feel for it and see where those guys are. Yeah, so we've talked about two of the linebackers. I was just out with uh, Todd Gurley, and the one thing he told me was that, well, Fred Warner is a good player, and he's very underrated. So what is it about Fred Warner that makes him so good for this defense? I think first name versus Fred is just consistency. Fred, well, he's going to consistently be where he's supposed to be. He's going to consistently have great communication with the defense, and guys are starting to truly respect Fred, look up to Fred for the type of leader that he's becoming. He's still a young player. He's growing into his leadership style, but he's done an awesome job of being consistent and making a, making big-time plays for us. And I think a lot of people kind of, <laughs> you know, Mr the mark on Fred, but Fred is a tremendous player. And I think one thing that truly sticks out to help Fred is he looks at the game like a coach. Like, he's not just looking at it as a player, oh, okay, that's my job, I'll do that. But he looks at it like, well, we should do this on the D. Why should we play it like this? And he's not only looking at his position, but he's looking at secondary. He's looking at the D line. He's able to put that puzzle together already so that's what helps him stand out and make the plays that he's able to make you said he's a young player i thought he was a seven-year pro when he came in as a rookie oh yeah he's he's very mature very mature for his age but he's he definitely had felt like a a vet his first year but you sometimes guys dismiss like man fred is only in his second year He's doing an outstanding job. Love, love coaching. All right. Well, D'Amico, enjoy the rest of the week, and good luck on Sunday. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. That was great. A big thanks to Chris Kosarek, Kwan Williams, John Benton, and D'Amico Ryans for appearing on this edition of the 49ers Insider Podcast, the final 49ers Insider Podcast uh, before the game here in Miami as the 49ers take on the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 54 from Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Should be a good one. Uh, We want to thank you for listening to the 49ers Insider Podcast. And if you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and review. And there will be plenty of time before kickoff for you to check out some of the other 49er podcasts that we did this week from Miami, including the one on Friday evening with Steve Mariucci, Navarro Bowman, and 49ers team president Al Guido. Niners Insider Podcast on NBCSportsBayArea.com.